other than obviously uh, highlighting and bringing awareness to uh, you know, company that Windsor's very proud of. What was the purpose of this visit here today? Obviously, no real announcements happening today, but what was the reason that you came to Windsor today? <laughs> She's confused. Well, you gave the beginning of the answer in your question. But, but I'm sorry. I'm so, I was going to let this play all the way through. This is like, a, this is Bart Simpson doing the book review of the pirate and the whatever. And Bart's like, well, as the title indicates, the book is about a pirate. And can we just appreciate five seconds of awkward silence? happening today, but what was the reason that you came to Windsor today? One, two, three, four, five. Well, you gave the beginning of the answer in your question. I'm just gonna let it play now. Um, Rico is a company that people in Windsor know about and are proud of. Um, it, it's Kamala Harris. This is I Canada's Kamala Harris. I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a boost, a little bit of the spotlight and the cameras and the reporters that comes with me being here. Um, I'm also yeah, really uh, glad. I wanted to give you a boost. I wanted to. I wanted to. Um, give you some stardom with the cameras that come with me. The Christian Freeland. The, uh, I, oh. Her and Justin Trudeau. I just had a, a dirty, th a, a very dirty image in my, oh my God, her and Justin Trudeau. They get along for a reason. To support a company that is led by a woman. There aren't that many. Uh, there aren't that sector. many. And I in do think sector. it's important for women leaders to support each other. So I... Awesome. Now talk about Jody Wilson-Raybould, uh, Christian. Sort of freely and openly admit that was an extra little asterisk and incentive. <laughs> look, at, look at the person behind her. Oh my gosh, is that pathological verbal diarrhea. You, you were almost lucky, people. I was almost going to start with Matt Walsh and one of the answers he gave to some congressional testimony. Okay. Okay. Um, tonight, we're going to be in for a learning curve for me, not for you, but maybe for you as well. I don't know what Hogwarts is. I don't know what a lot of the stuff that the, that the younger generation talks about these days are. Vomitus is right, nature lover. Vomitus is right. Okay. So standard disclaimers. We're probably going to end this, you know, at some point soon on YouTube, go exclusively to Rumble. Uh, tonight's sidebar, Nina Infinity. Uh, might be uh, operating in the realm of the interwebs that some of you are less familiar with. There will not be only politics tonight, but there certainly will be politics, and there will, certainly, there will be scandal, and there will be transphobia, because I understand that that's what's ultimately behind this whole Hogwarts uh, game frenzy, that you know, people are boycotting J.K. Rowling, uh, because J.K. Rowling basically came out and said, boys have penises and girls have vaginas, and that's radical. That's, that's Orwellian radical wrongthink. Wrong speak these days. I sim for Nina. Okay. All right. Now I'm, I see everyone's in the, I see Barnes is here. I see Nina's here. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring Barnes in first. Then I'm going to bring Nina in. Then I'm going to go to the bottom so that when I bring up Whoa. a comment like this, will there be drinks? I was thinking about it. There won't be drinks, but your dog is showing it himself. All right. We're on. We're live. Nina, Robert, how go your respective battles? Hi going yeah it's going good okay so this is ordinarily i you know i know more about a guest in terms of you know 
scandals, history, upbringing. But Nina, uh, it's not for lack of trying. I uh, it, briefly, when we were talking before we even got started, you mentioned you're Canadian. I, I don't even mm-hmm. think I knew that much, um, but I've watched a lot of your videos today. Oh, uh, who are you? 30,000 foot <laughs> overview before we get into childhood, which looks like it wasn't that long ago because you seem to be very young and new to the interwebs. Um, oh, my. And <laughs> that's a compliment. That's a real big compliment because I'm old. I'm very old. Okay, I wasn't going to ask, but now I might have to go. I'll have to go to. <laughs> um, Nina, so 30,000 foot overview uh, for those who don't know who you are. Okay, so I'm Nina Infinity. I, uh, I'm i going to start at childhood. I was uh, ten, When I was 10 years old, I was born in Iran, moved to Canada with my mom at 10 years old. We immigrated there, single mom. Great times, Vancouver, shout out, West Coast. Then... My life moved along and I was fine, happy camper, all that good stuff. Then Canada started to crumble before my eyes. I got married. I moved out a little bit further than Vancouver, went to the suburbs, you know, getting away from the concrete jungle, the city. But the the fascism and the creeping craziness kept following me. And I was like, you know what? Me and my husband decided to move out to Mexico. So now we're in Cancun, Mexico. Been here for six years. I am now a permanent resident of Mexico as of last week. And I love it. And it's fantastic. And I can't recommend it enough. It's amazing. But that's that's me. That's me in like a very small nutshell. And I have a YouTube channel, <laughs> Nina Infinity. How hard was it to escape Iran? Um, well, for me to escape, not that hard because I was 10 and I was just kind of like dragged along. Uh, not, it's not that difficult. But at the time, my mom had to know how to speak English. Uh, we needed $10,000 and then we immigrated and, and that was it. It wasn't like it wasn't that difficult, but it was also not that easy because $10,000 at the time was a lot of money. So we had to like borrow from family and stuff. You left when you were 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have active, conscious memories of what childhood was like in Iran. Oh, absolutely. I did the whole uh, chanting to the death to America chant for 15 minutes a day. Uh, I did, you know, all the all the stuff that you hear about in, uh, in the news. I mean, stuff has gotten better, a lot better since then uh, for Iran, especially the education system there, because uh, that was in 85 uh, that I was born. So uh you know, 85 was in the during the Iraq and Iran Iraq war. So I was not, you know, when I was like five, six years old, seven years old, uh, you know, early 90s. It was kind of <laughs> kind of a difficult time at the time, but things have improved much since then. But at the time, because they were still trying to uh, indoctrinate the kids, we there was a lot of, uh, you know, death to America, death to the West, you know, things like that that we had to do. Ah, so we've got our scandal. There's a little Nina saying death to America somewhere out there. The, oh, uh, yeah. When, are, are you are you joking about the 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day? Or was it a, was it no. a ritualistic? It was a government imposed ritualistic thing. That oh, you're... absolutely. Because um, I wasn't. And of course, it was an all girls school. And then, you know, all girls school, all boys school. Uh, we would go there at very early in the morning. I had to get up like 5 a.m. to catch my bus. Went there. Uh, six o'clock, we line up, you line up in kind of like, you know, North Korea style, prison style lineups. And then uh, like they kind of give you speeches of the day, like, you know, what, like what is all about, blah, blah, blah. Then you do like the 15 minute chant of just like death to America, um, which, you know, I'll say in Persian, Magbat Amrika, 
So, you know, like, it's kind of like that, that's the thing. So you say that and then you move on, like they, they tell you like what your class is on, blah, blah, blah. And then you go on with your day. And of course the curriculums there were insane for a child my age. When I moved to Canada at 10, I could do uh, calculus math. Uh, so uh, like, you know, equivalent to basically like grade 12 math early, uh, like very, very great, uh, hard grade 12 math, like I don't know what they're called, like the the top class in grade twelve now, um, but the this the, the those ones and then uh, and I couldn't speak English, but they were like, can you tutor kids because they were they weren't even at like fractions and stuff at the time, so it was pretty funny. What inspired your your mom to leave? Uh, because she didn't want me to be raised uh, as um, you know, because I was a female and uh, my mom and dad weren't very. Uh, you know, into the Islamic thing. They were actually, they were, they were the ones that got tricked. They were a part of the communist uh, kind of crowd and they understood that they got tricked and uh, they didn't like the Islamic Republic that moved there so are, you know, infiltrated and uh, they wanted to get out as much as anybody else. That's why a lot of people left. Uh, let me add, when they're getting you to chant death to America uh, and I, I know like, it's almost like something people say and they don't have any malice when they say it. It, it. Are they instilling malice when you say it or are the kids uh, just laughing? Oh, no. They're, well, here's the thing. It depends on your upbringing as well because it, it, it equals with home upbringing. So if you're into part of the, like the Islamic family or whatever, you, you might be really into it. Whereas in me, because of my upbringing, um, I, my mom, shout out to my mom, who's probably watching right now. I love her. She introduced me to all of the, you know, the Hollywood movies and Hollywood, like everything, everything that came from the West. And we, at the time, um, the like movies were not allowed in Iran. So we had to have, uh, like this guy come to our house with a suitcase full of movies and be like, hurry up, like pick your movies. Let's go, let's go. Like it's time. Like, you know, I gotta get out of here. He was like this cab driver. And so he would come in and like give us Disney movies, like bootleg Disney movies and all this kind of stuff. So I got familiarized with the West's stuff because of that. And I realized, Hey, women, in that country, they don't have to cover themselves. They can sing. They can do all these things. Like, I, why are they being vilified here? Like, it seems like such a great place. This place doesn't seem very good. So I started getting kind of indoctrinated in my own way into the West. So then when I went to school, whenever I had to do like the Death to America chant, I would say in my head, I love America. I love America. I love America. So I would say Death to America, what I would think I love America and my mom was always like, please make sure you don't say that out loud, though. You know, like, just uh, just make sure you don't say we, we can get arrested. We could get killed, you know, things like that. Mm. Um, and don't tell anyone we got in Disney movies. Don't tell anyone you got what, the movies. Don't tell anyone about the, the stuff. What would have been the punishment for the guy giving you the DVDs? Like, I, I, was he facing jail? He, jail and, death. And, and, my God. Yeah. The, uh, my mom, uh, too. My mom and dad, jail death. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, people underappreciate what 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 that life is like. It is startling, in particular, given how extraordinarily rich, deep, and historically tolerant the Persian culture is, going mm -hmm. back centuries after centuries after centuries. The uh, frankly, it was the one that helped moderate the first Islamic republics in the region, uh, take it in a more intellectual direction.
mm -hmm. uh, math, you know, in terms of math, literature, history, so many, so many rich uh, tapestries, if you will, of the Persian culture. Of course, I was sneaking things around today. I was uh, here in Philadelphia. I was, I was sneaking around some delicious farm fresh milk from AmosMillerOrganicFarm.com. So the, uh, if you're out there, you want some delicious, true farm fresh milk, AmosMillerOrganicFarm.com. I was up nice. there yesterday. Uh, man, it's real milk. It's true milk. But it's weird. Like, okay, can I sneak a little bit? Can I, uh, you know, it's like I was doing shots of cocaine in the back or something. Because so, it's, it's illegal, right? Like, is is it the, is it the illegal milk, the the non homogenized? Yeah, exactly. Right. No, yeah. no pasteurized homogenized. You know, it's just good old delicious right from the cow. Yeah, um, man, I wish I had some of that. I, I still, Robert, I'm, I'm going to have to taste it one day. I loathe milk. I don't think there's anything that's going to make me like milk, but I, I'm up for a, a, a dare. You'll like it when you taste the real stuff, Eva. Oh, Absolutely. God. Now, so is that where your uh, love of films and and uh and you know the, the great traditions of western culture is that where a lot of that started in terms of uh uh yep, yep. and how um, shocked were you when it started to go off the rails oh my god uh very shocked it's one of those things because again like being from iran you know you see some things like and 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 i saw I saw Canada change before my eyes in a very, very unpleasant way. And I just, it, it was, it was surreal. And I've, of course, like, you know, that aside, because Canadian entertainment is very different from American entertainment, but, you know, because I was so familiar with American entertainment, I, I could see it starting to seep in and I'm like, what, why is it like, you know, what, what is this woke thing? And what is, what does that mean to be woke? And what does this mean that, you know, everything has to be female now. And as someone who's like, you know, a female, I started being like, man, I'm sick of all these females. <laughs> Why is there women like in everything and taking over the role of men? And the idea of understanding, because in my country, women were so belittled, uh, it was really like kind of, under, it, it was weird to see how women were being belittled instead of being propped up. So like feminism was dying. They were killing femininity at the, in the same breath of saying, Hey, we love femininity, but we're going to, we're going to kill it. We're going to snuff it out. But same thing with masculinity. We're going to also kill masculinity and pretend in the same breath of saying like, we're going to prop up, you know, the good men or whatever that are like, uh, basically male feminists, because as long as they're like, you know, into the women, female rights and woke and whatever, then men are good. And if they're drinking soy, then that's great. But if they're actually men and taking care of their families and the nuclear family, all that kind of stuff, it it, it gives you all these messages in the media and in, in what you're consuming visually. And I started to really just ask a lot of questions. And I think for me, it started uh, really when uh, I was going to call him Jake Skywalker because that's like in my head now, but Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, when they killed him in the way that they did, like in, in like metaphorically, they killed Luke Skywalker and they made him into this just basically nothing. Uh, and he's the hero of generations. I, I started to I started to have questions. I started to have a lot of questions. Okay, I got, I got two questions, one statement. First of all, it sounds like you probably had the coolest parents imaginable <laughs> under those circumstances to, to take the risk to let you watch movies. Like my parents plopped me in front of a movie just so that I would stop annoying them because you know they had four other kids. Um, the two questions were this. You, you leave at 10 years old. Um, 
I have to ask the question, like, did you, did you have any more traumatic experiences, more witness, more traumatic things in Iran that you recollect before in your childhood? And then the second question, just to get away from the, the bad memory is what was your favorite movie growing up? But childhood experience, did you, did you witness anything outright traumatic that you now come to the West and say, you are all complaining about nothing? In all honesty, no, my, my answer to that is no, because all of my other memories in Iran are fond memories. I I love Iran. I love the Persian people. They're all great people. Um, I mean, I saw, obviously I saw like certain things. I was still 10. Like there was some things I, I didn't really understand until later on in life, you know, like certain ways that like my mom would approach men or that the way men would speak to my mom. Uh, there was things about the hijab, definitely like everywhere we would go. Uh, especially women would tell uh, my mom, like, you know, cover your uh, cover your hair, like pull your scarf down, you know, things like that, like very, very rudely, um, you know, those kind of things. But I was so young that it didn't really bother me because I didn't have to wear them yet. Like I was a little girl. So and they, and they, you don't have to wear it uh, until you're 13, basically until you're you, you have puberty, unless you go to school and in, in school, you have to wear it in public. You don't have to. But otherwise, no, um, most of it was very fond memories of my family and the Iranian culture and all that stuff. But of course, the government was uh, was always there, you know, in the, in the back, just kind of like watching you. And you always have to watch what you say. You always had to watch what you do, you know, things like that. F favorite movie as a favorite child? movie as a child was The Little Mermaid, because I remember the first time <laughs> this and this will tell you, Viva, how old I am. Uh, I, uh, we, we still had a, a, a non-colored TV at my grandma's house. So we would watch non-color movies and she had the little dial on her TV and everything. And, uh, my, my dad got a color TV and he got us a VCR and he went to a, this little Island called Quiche. It's in the, it's in the Persian Gulf and that they did the trades there. It's like trade zone. And uh, so he brought us the VCR and he brought us a copy of The Little Mermaid. And so when he put that in and the, that was the first thing I ever saw was the colorful images of The Little Mermaid. That was it. And I was like, and, and she talked about wanting to be part of your world and all that stuff. And, you know, somehow deep down inside, I was like, yeah, I want to get out of here, too. I want to be part of that world, you know, and about the West. So it really, I, I really identified with that story. And so The Little Mermaid is my favorite movie. What do you think about the current Little Mermaid debate? Oh, my God. Uh, well, I almost got canceled a few times on Twitter for that. Uh, let's see. I think that I think. And yeah, hey, cancel me all you want. I just think that people that make movies about other things simply make the character look and feel the way that character originally was designed to look and feel like, no matter what that may be. I, I think that that's, it's a safe bet. Most of the time you will win over the fandom. Other people who wanted to see themselves in there, they don't necessarily, that's not a thing. Uh, you know, that, like I said, like she was a redheaded white woman, fish woman, like half, <laughs> half fish woman. Um, and I identified with her as a Persian little girl. I don't see why nobody else would. So I think all they need to do is just stick to the characters. Same thing with Superman, Batman, every single iteration that you can think of, just stick to the character and you will be fine. 
Uh, I have two questions, actually, there. You see The Little Mermaid in Iran. And so you're in a country where women have to cover up, you know, their entire bodies. And you're looking at a half-naked mermaid with shells for nipples. Mm -hmm. Is that when you start realizing something is very different hey, in Iran? The shell was the bra, okay? <laughs> it wasn't the nipples. It was the bra. Um, and yes, of course, uh, that and Marilyn Monroe, that was like an, another another Madonna. Like, they were... Uh, giant influences on me uh i i watched so many of these i remember we watched music videos after like some of them after some of the movies there was music videos and then la bamba came on with like the the girl with the mini skirt like you know dancing around i was like women can dress and dance with men like whoa this is so crazy so of course i was like it, it all influenced me it all influenced me and uh in that way, I was like, I want to be, I want to be pretty and dress up and all that kind of stuff. And I should clarify, Robert, some people in the chat might not even know what the controversy was with the Little Mermaid, but they recast the Little Mermaid as a as a black actress for the Mermaid, mm -hmm. and uh, and it led to some stuff on Twitter. I remember someone it led to people saying, you know, you're re re rebranding an iconic character. Others were saying mermaids are fictional. How do they have skin color in the first place? Mm -hmm. The the interesting element of that debate is as a kid i used to watch family matters i used to like urkel and i never used to say urkel's a black kid or i'm a white kid and we have something different i just looked at urkel and said the kid's funny and i yeah. I, I do wonder if young young black kids young asian kids look at the little mermaid and say i like her but i don't relate to her in some way that is uh you know unknown to me and so that was the whole scandal. Anybody out there who, who may not have known? Yeah. It. And uh, even like some black people were kind of like, what's going on with her hair? Like that, that was one of the uh, that was one of the comments because she's got like really weird dreadlocks. And some people started doing like um, what she would look like if they did the hair properly like even like her like the actress like even like let's let's leave the skin color aside let's just give her the proper hair and the photoshops like looked better than what she looked like and then everybody was and and it was really i remember like the pictures that came out from the trailer was like really dingy and dark and just like really super dark and little mermaid is really bright and colorful so everybody was like well, why don't you just make it a little bit brighter? Like, why is it so dark and dingy? She's already a, a black person. So why are you making it so it's very dark and gray and, you know, whatever as, as well? It's not helping the, like, the outlook of what your movie is supposed to look like. Now, uh, when did you decide to get active in terms of in the culture commentator space and get on YouTube and all the rest? What inspired that? Uh, that would be COVID, uh, the lockdowns. <laughs> uh, well, what I what happened was I started, uh, I found Gary from Nerdrotic's channel. Shout out to Gary from Nerdrotic. Uh, after Game of Thrones season eight debacle disaster. And I was like I, crying because I wasted like eight years of my life watching that show. Yeah, that and should be a death penalty price. It, there should be execution for the, for the people who destroyed the Game of Thrones in that final horrendous season. 100%. And that would be Dan and Dave. Who, where are they now? Where are they? Oh, we're going to do like Star Wars and we're going to do this. Nobody knows where they are because they sucked. No one's going to freaking hire them ever again. Thank God. But, um, but yeah, so I saw that and I was like, I'm crying. Uh, my husband was like, you should go check out this live stream uh, that this guy's doing about the episode. Everybody's pissed. And I was like, oh, a live stream? Like, 
what's that? Like, I didn't, I didn't know what a live stream was. So I went and I saw, and pe- I was like, people are paying money to talk to people on, on the internet, on YouTube and talk about this stuff. It's so weird. And so I got obsessed. I got obsessed with it. And then really shortly, so I started like follow all the channels that star Wars girl, uh, you know, you guys, Viva Barnes, everybody, like I started following Nick Ricada, uh, you know, all of these channels. And then after, after a little while, COVID hit. Uh, and I was like, oh, like, what the hell? Like, you know, and and all these girls were the people in the in the YouTube sphere got really familiar with me in the chats. So they were like, you need to make a channel and come and talk to us. So I did, but I wasn't really doing anything until quarantine. And, uh, you know, I started to be like, OK, maybe I should really actively start doing uh, streams and stuff like that. And I got into it. And then here we are. Uh, I think we're going to head over to Rumble in a second. I'm just going to give everybody the link. And they're going to head over to Rumble. Uh, the question is this, though, because we did skip over a big thing there now. Now that I know how old you are, you're 37 or 36. 38. Just turned 30. 38. Can't do, Viva, no math good. But um, <laughs> so did you uh, let me ask the crass or the indiscreet question. Did you have a job before that you left? Like we skipped a big period of time. You went to Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, 95, you get to Canada. You go to British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Uh when do you start seeing the writing on the wall in Canada? When do you leave? Under what circumstances? And what were you doing in life uh, professionally or for work until, you know, before you started doing this? I, well, I did, I did a lot of stuff in Canada. I started, uh, well, I was in customer service for like 20 years. I worked for Future Shop when they went under. I was like, like I was a salesperson in Future Shop. Uh, got laid off. I was very, uh, like, devastated. Had so much debt. I was like, just not in a good place. Uh, then I went to uh, Nintendo, Nintendo of Canada. I worked there for a while. I was their rep. Uh, was good times. Uh, and then, at, you know, the you start to see things. And during the same, like, during the same time, uh, as I started working for Nintendo, right before I started wor- working for Nintendo, right after I got laid off, I, I was like, well, like, where am I going with my life? Because it seems like retail is really coming to an end, like retail starting to just kind of go out the door with the online shopping and everything like that. Uh, so what do I want? Oh, yeah. And, and Blockbuster, too. I worked at Blockbuster. That was good, good times. Um, but I, I saw this, this thing because my husband was like, I don't like Canada because I always feel like no one's hearing me and like all this stuff. And so I, I, we at, like I, we talked about it, and we were like, let's do something like go and get our uh, certificates to teach English because uh, we were both really good at that. And so we we went and did that, and he decided to go get a job, uh, you know, abroad. And the company that we signed up for actually wanted to send him to China, and I was like, no, I'm not going to China. There's like no way in hell. I, you know, I got out of freaking uh, 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 Iran because of their women's rights. And I'm never going back to that country. So why would I go to China? They're crazy and they're communists. I'm not going there. And he was like, well, where should we go? And I was like, why don't we try Mexico? Mexico sounds like a lot of fun. Let's let's go down there. We went went down to Cancun for a vacation. Just check it out. And we fell in love. And then we decided to just move here. Now, one of the things that happened was because he moved earlier than I did. Is he I from wanted- Iran as well? Yes, yes. Okay. But he's Canadian. We met in Canada. Okay. And um, when I went to what like one of the months I went to Can- uh, Cancun, and I came back. And one night, I saw this thing happen where there was no gas fever. 
all of the shelves were empty. I returned to a place that was like, it was like the end of the world. And this was pre-COVID because the Kohala Highway had had uh, closed down. There was like some sort of snowstorm or something. And all the trucks, fuel, food, everything had stopped. And so there was like one gas station that had gas. It was the, the craziest thing. And I was like, is this like a sign? Like, what is happening in this country? Like, what is going on? I, I think I might have to really consider moving faster. Because at the time, I had a really good job at Nintendo. I didn't want to move. And I loved Canada. I was like, I, I love Canada. I don't want to move. And then you start. And then I start to see other things. Like, when I would go downtown, and I would see all these, like, blue-haired people. And they were, like, really weird. And I was like, what is going on with this? And then... I started to like really look into kind of like the whole gender identity thing. And then I realized, uh, you know, I found Jordan Peterson and what he was talking about. And I was like, what is going on with Canada and this whole hate speech thing? And, you know, people are starting to police your speech now. That's all sounds really familiar. I remember this. I was from this country where I, you know, my my speech was policed. Uh, this is all not Re leading down a good way and my husband was seeing the same things and that's why we were like what where should we go like anywhere but here we got to get out and we did uh robert before you get your question in and now we're going to go to rumble people uh i could not figure out how to live stream simultaneously on locals so this will be on youtube tomorrow in its entirety uh and i'll upload it directly to locals vivabarnslaw.locals.com with the milk uh removing from youtube carrying on exclusively on rumble in three two one Changes nothing from our end, uh, Nina. We, we continue talking. Robert, you were going to ask something. What was the biggest uh, surprise in coming from uh, Iran to Canada? The biggest surprise? Well, I came from Tehran, so it was really, uh, you know, it, it was a really big difference in terms of because when I moved to Canada, like we didn't even go to Vancouver directly. We were like a little bit in the outskirts. It's a city called Langley. Um, and uh, at the time, it wasn't very built. Now it is. Now it's now it's crazy. But, you know, you could see the nature, the air, the clean air, uh, just like everything being so clean and and nice and just like pristine. And I think that was the biggest shock, like seeing rain for it was so funny because I was like, oh, my God, it's raining. I'm so excited. Like the first time. And then it never stopped. <laughs> and I was like, I hate I hate this. Br British Columbia is like it's geographically among the most beautiful places on Earth. Then politically, it's, you know, it's like California it's to some nightmare. extent. Uh, do you speak Spanish? Did you learn Spanish? I'm learning it? Spanish now. Uh, I wish I could say yes to that, but I'm a beginner Spanish, but I am learning. I am. I'm trying my best. <laughs> so it's happening slowly. And what was the biggest surprise in moving to Cancun? Ooh, that, uh, that it wasn't as bad as everybody said Mexico was, uh, that Mexico is a beautiful country with beautiful people. Uh, I learned all about the cartels. Uh, the cartels are very, very interesting. Um, it, def it definitely depends on where you are in Mexico and how how it is at the location of where you are. Um, I think the most surprising thing was how different it was than what it was portrayed to be uh, in the West. I, I um, will admit I have a fear of Mexico because I, I have a fear of everything south of the border just because I, when I determine where I go, I only look at it. In Do you have a list of, of the things you're afraid of? 
Well, it, murder is on the on the top of the list. So I, 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 I Kidnapping. Intentional homicide rate, and that's how I make a lot of my decisions in life. Um, I'd love to go to Mexico. I mean, Mexico. Quick and, question and, though, Viva, have you ever been to Chicago? Um, I have, and I'm not sure that I'd go back now if I knew if I knew then what I know now. <laughs> my wife, she's a neuroscientist, and had they had these conferences in Chicago, and we went down. We stayed in the hotel, but even then, like I didn't go out at night. We went to the Bean. We did some stuff during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I knew, and I knew better than to leave the hotel at night. But I, and, and when people say like Mexico's good, you just have to know what parts to avoid. It's like that's those are the things that I don't want to have to worry about. Like don't get sure. lost, don't go to the wrong gas station. But you've been there for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, you you left Canada actually before the poo poo hit the fan with COVID, but after the poo poo started hitting the fan with Justin Trudeau. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you always been politically? outspoken i presume working it uh, and this is not to be demeaning at all but working retail you can't you can't express anything internally <laughs> or to people so were, were you totally suppressed politically and now you're you're liberated in in canada i wasn't so much into politics as i am now and even when i was into politics i wasn't so much into canadian politics i was more into american politics and the reason i was into american politics was because i was very much against the iran iraq war i mean uh, the uh, the iraq war the afghanistan war and the iraq war so um when 9 11 happened I got involved. Like I was just like, you know, and I was in Vancouver. I was liberal. I was like, you know what? I'm going to the marches. You know, I, I went to the Occupy. I went to all of that stuff, you know? Um, so I, that's what I got involved in. It was more to do with, with American politics, but then, you know, Canada is a reflection of American politics. So at the time, you know, we had Harper and Harper was terrible at least I thought at the time. Um, and I wanted him to get out uh, more than anything. So I voted for Trudeau. And I, I hate myself that I have to say that and admit that, but I did. But at the time, I liked his politics. I liked the party. It wasn't so much that I liked Trudeau. I liked the party. And I thought the party was the one to replace Harper. Uh, it did but it didn't go very well. <laughs> I think we, most Canadians have made the mistake, Nina. I voted for Trudeau back in 2015 as well for no other reason than liberal good, conservative bad. And that was yeah. that was the extent of my you know political decision-making. And boy, howdy. I don't mm-hmm. think my kids will make that same mistake and I'll never make that same mistake again. Um, so now you get into the YouTubes. Uh, what's I, I, I went back. I like I started watching the early stuff, and now I started watching the contemporary stuff. And it's it's just amazing to see people evolve. How did you decide what your niche was going to be? How'd you get into it? And how did you how did you uh, how did you enjoy that experience? It's been a wild ride. Um, I I started because I, I I started talking with my friend John Talks. We did a show called Infinite Talk, and uh, now he does little shorts on YouTube. Just doing memes and stuff like that. But uh, that was a really fun time. And we would just talk for hours about everything and nothing really. Um, And uh, I knew I liked entertainment and I knew that the culture war was important to me. I think that um, because because I was so affected as a child through media, uh, I wanted to kind of point out what is going on and what I'm seeing going on in today's media, especially with properties that I love, like Star Trek, Star Wars, all the nerdy stuff. Um, and, you know, even Doctor Who, like there's there's so much. It's like, which one, which one isn't woke and crazy now? Um, and it, it just... I really wanted to talk about that. And I also wanted to talk about politics, but, you know, 
culture is downstream from politics. So it kind of like matches. And I, fi- I figured I'll make a show called Breaking the Narrative, where I break the narrative about what's going on in the news. That's the one I had Barnes on. And um, and what's going on in general with, you know, clown world and everything like that. Now, at the same time, COVID hit. And of course, Canada shut down. And I wasn't even able, able to return. And uh, that moment in time, I was fighting depression uh, hard. Uh, there was a, it was a, it was really bad because I'm a, I'm a very social person and, and I loved Canada so much. And I always said like, you know, I'm never going to stop loving Canada. Canada is my home. Um, but it's just, it was so bad and I was fighting depression and then, um, and I was kind of just wondering like, when are the Canadians going to step up? Like when, when is it going to happen that the Canadian, spirit that I know through hockey and like all the stuff that I that we love that passion of the Canadians is going to come out and it finally did with the trucker convoy and I was so freaking happy and Viva you're my hero man I was watching every single stream of you in the cold and I could I could feel it you know because I've been in that Canadian cold I could feel it I could see you like so when you were cold I was like literally feeling it with you like it was like a 4d experience and you guys were my heroes man like you you freed the country you did you you did it you guys you viva you the truckers I, I, out there it was I I did nothing but witness it for myself and it was it was the most outrageous um what's the word progression where I didn't even know about the trucker convoy as it was coming through in December because nobody was talking about it. And then people in, in my chat started talking about it. Viva, why aren't you talking about it? Are you controlled opposition? And I'm like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? I Google convoy and I saw one in British Columbia protesting road conditions. And then I, no one ever knew what it was going to possibly turn into. Yeah. But it, you know, Nina, I don't, I don't know in as inspirational as it was, I was devastated when Trudeau came in with his uh, his 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 you know Chinese communist dictator boot and Same. and violently suppressed it, and we're going to see what happens with that commission. But um, Tr- Trudeau gets a sneak peek at the commissioner's report, like a two week sneak peek before the public gets it. Nothing nothing can go wrong with that. So you're you're watching that uh, and getting inspired, mm-hmm. and then so what's what's the first? Do you remember the first video that you did? Yeah, it was dark. It was my review of dark on uh, YouTube. And it was terrible. <laughs> it was awful. I was like on my little cell phone. And, um, and I love that show, by the way, great show, everybody you should watch a dark on Netflix. Fantastic show. Um, but yeah, it was my my first review. And then I started doing more reviews and stuff like that. And I started to uh, like do my political show. And then wh- while I was doing my political show, and while I was fighting depression and all this stuff, especially like this was even before COVID, like I was like, uh, you know, I, I cover so much politics and so much clown world that I really need a break. Like I'm one of those people. I'm a positive person in real life. I like like I am really Canadian. I love people. I, you know, I'm a nice person and I, I'm just like, you know, good people. I love I, I love good things. And I was like, I need to balance this crazy world out with some good news as well, because we never hear about good news anymore. Like, where's all the good people at? So I also started doing this show called Infinite Hope on my channel, which is just me talking about good people, good news, cute animals, anything that's good and not clown world. That's what I talk about on Fridays. And I think that's my favorite show, to be honest with you. It's my favorite one because I just... 
it, it really like helps you get away. Highly recommend it. The, now, in terms of the culture issues, are, have you been surprised at how crazy it has got in the space of who's making our television shows, our films, our comics, and the rest? Yeah, sometimes I don't believe it. I, I don't believe sometimes what has happened to it. There's so much, uh, you know, intersectional feminism, so much, you know, uh, just just pure cringe propaganda, state propaganda like state state sponsored propaganda i mean uh canada got even worse like canada's just like next level i don't know if you're familiar with a show viva called uh kim's convenience uh is that is that i want to guess is that the about a convenience store yes and it has the korean convenience store i know of i don't think i've ever seen it except for commercials but i don't even know when i would have seen a commercial i think i know of it so let's let's that's a perfect example of kind of like a a canadian show that's just completely went off the rails so like it, it started out really really good and funny and like just on point you could see stuff like trickling there like you know once in a while you get this like kind of woke joke or whatever and then, like, fast forward to, like, I think season three or four. I think it's four. And I think it, the show got canceled shortly after this. Um, basically, they turned the main girl lesbian for, for no reason. She was straight the whole time. And then all of a sudden, it's like, Dad, I'm lesbian. And if you can't understand that, then, like, you don't know me at all. And, like, you know, all this stuff. And I was just like why like what happened to the show and it's like this happens periodically with every single show it's like whatever show you can think of all of a sudden it's like by the way our main character is gay another perfect example is this one right here that's uh i'm a huge fan of cowboy bebop the anime um and because i'm a huge anime fan in general uh and uh when they did the Cowboy Bebop live action for Netflix, it was a complete and utter disaster uh, because they just decided, first of all, to take the notes of the original creator, literally put it in the garbage and be like, hey, thanks, by the way, thanks for the notes, but we're not going to do anything you asked us to do. He just came out and he basically just shat all over the Netflix show and was like, yeah, I knew it was going to cancel. I watched like two minutes of it and I turned it off. That's the creator of the anime talking about this show. It's the same way. They turned Faye gay in like the 10th episode or something like that. They were all of a sudden like, oh, by the way, she's lesbian and her character is supposed to be like a femme fatale, like uses her sexuality to get her ways. And she's like super smart and blah, 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 blah. But all of a sudden it's like she's just this lesbian girl. And it's just like, why? Why is it everything? Why? Like, I'm just over this situation. Yeah, that was a big disappointment, Cal. I mean, and, and there's been so many of those. I mean, the uh, uh, He-Man uh, was terribly made by Kevin Williamson. The uh, Kevin or, Smith. Kevin Smith. Uh, I'm thinking of another Kevin that's also awful. Kevin mm-hmm. Williamson writes for the National Review and then over the Atlantic. The uh, and then now at like Bulwark or someplace. Maybe he's at, probably at the Daily Wire. But the uh, <laughs> uh, just to take a little, little slide shot there. But uh, the. Now, how did you end up in the middle or in part of or connected to the craziness that's been happening in the Eliza Blue story? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Because I'm friends with Brittany Venti. Uh, and she kind of started this whole (laughs) – she set the the motion 
Um, so I, I stream with a, a, a lovely lady called Chrissy Mayer. She does a, a show called Simcast on Sunday nights. Great name, um, by the way. It's yeah, amazing. Great, great crowd. Love her and, and all the Simcast crew. That's So usually it's with her, uh, Anna, that Star Wars girl, and Brittany Venti. So that's how I met Brittany. Um, but so Brittany and I became really good friends. And then she's one of those people who is, she's, a, she's a little troublemaker. I love Brittany, but she is a little troublemaker sometimes. And so she very she looks casually, like a sweet, innocent nerd. She really, she really does. She's just this little, like, you know, just, I didn't do anything, which sure. I call, she's like a little Woody Woodpecker though. She's just, you, she's you just, know what? I, I don't suffer from this pre prejudgment of her because she reminds me of Amy Smart. From Rat Race, and so I, 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 oh I think she looks, she looks like her too. So I impute all of the, uh, the, you know, the the saucy character of Amy Smart from Rat Race. Okay, that, that's the last adult movie. I've that's seen. hilarious. So, uh, um, carry, carry on. But yeah, so I'm friends with Brittany, and then she tweeted out something at Eliza Blue, and I, I honestly, I didn't know who this Eliza woman was. Um, I had seen her on Timcast. I can tell you that I was like, oh, isn't that the woman from Timcast IRL? I've seen her on Tim Pool. I've seen her on a few other places, um, but I didn't really know who she was, and I knew that she she was supposedly a, a trafficking, uh, an anti-trafficking advocate which is a good thing, you know, you should be a, an anti-trafficking advocate. Um, but then she, I guess she claimed that she was trafficked. I didn't know. I didn't really look into it. But Brittany very, very casually brought up that some somebody sent her something, like a thread. She looked into it and she was like, hey, can you please clarify this video that you did, Eliza, with this very graphic imagery. Can you give us a timeline of where you like, you know, what, where is the trafficking timeline at? Because it doesn't seem to be adding up. And she very politely asked. And she's like, she even said, I'm so sorry if this brings up something and you've explained it before. If you have just point me to the right place, both tweets got wiped, suspended, suspended for bad badness. Like you're not, you're not allowed to ask those kind of questions apparently of Eliza blue and so I was like, what? And so I went and retweeted uh, Britney's thing. And <laughs> I was is, like, why? This is a lesson in life. Like, this is not just gossip for those out there who say that this is gossip. This is a lesson in life that, uh, like my brother used to say, when you step in shit, stop and clean it off. Don't go running around the house, tracking shit all over the house. This went from someone stepped in poop and... I know there's a it, the analogy fits in there somewhere, and now there's poop all over the place. So yes. by doing that one little thing with Brittany Venti over a tweet that no one would have ever known about, could have been easily explained away, uh, contextualized. Uh, the snowball starts to roll and pick up more snowflakes. Uh, so mm -hmm. what what did you do, Nina? So I just retweeted her. I mean, I like thankfully I'm not one of the people that got suspended or anything. Like I didn't get put in the doghouse, but a lot of other people did like Chrissy Mayer. Actually, no, Chrissy Mayer didn't either, but Eliza ended up blocking her, even though they were friends uh, because she just basically said like, why is this happening? Uh, and then, uh, but Anna, that star Wars girl got, uh, no, wait, not her. Uh, Yellow flash got suspended. Uh, quartering got suspended. Yeah. Uh, and then a whole bunch of other people, Camelot, uh, a, a bunch of other smaller accounts, but the biggest one was the quartering. And uh, after that happened, it was like, well, what the heck is actually going on? Because he stuck her, his neck out for Brittany. And usually he does that. 
Jeremy's good people and he's always kind of stood up for the smaller content creators, uh, no matter what they go through, if there's like, you know, lawsuits or anything like that, you know, he covers that kind of stuff. So he did. And then, and he got suspended and that's what happened. Yeah. It's fascinating watching this community. How did you get connected to this entire sort of culture commentator community, the, the neurotics, the geeks and gamers, the Ryan at RK Outpost, the, the Simpcast, the Christy Meyer, the Brittany Ventes, the uh, uh, obviously the quartering that's a big influence within that space. Uh, how, how did It's been fascinating to me watching this sort of organic growth of people who the only thing that uh, have in common, like that Star Wars girl, when she said she isn't political, I was like, well, a lot of people say that. And then she couldn't pronounce Julian Assange's name. It's like, oh, she's not kidding. She's, she's really not political. The, no, she's not kidding. Yeah, Barnes, ask her if you ever want to make fun of her. Ask her her ideas on uh, Palestine and Israel. Hilarious. <laughs> Robert, how, how did she pronounce? The, I, I can't think of another way to pronounce Julian Assange. Did she say, did she say Assange or Assange? It was like a verse, more like a sangi. Okay. Uh, something that showed she hadn't even heard the name before. So the uh, so it was a fascinating. But it, it's this fascinating community. That the only thing they really share in common is an interest in returning culture to its entertainment roots, without it being infiltrated by politics, without it being dominated or corrupted by woke politics in particular, but, you know, the thing, I mean, destroying even the great Tolkien brand with the Rings oh. of Power, which was atrocious. I mean, to wow. me, yeah. I became aware of it, really, with sort of uh, Gamergate all the way back when I was mm. studying that for the for betting on the 2016 election, when there was this assault on games that somehow they're inherently bad because they're man and all this other stuff. They're, mm. they're too masculine and whatever. Um, and, and then people fought back against the scandal that it was. But I realized there's something a lot more going on here. But it's been very interesting seeing what you could, I guess, loosely call the Friday Night Tights community mm -hmm. after the Friday Night Tights show uh, that, you know, Nick Ricada sort of embedded with. I mean, Ricada started out commenting, people forget, on anime-related legal issues. You know, he didn't start out as a trial guy. He started the uh, totally, uh, and I didn't even know what anime was. I was like, what in the world is this anime? And then people told me to watch Cowboy uh, uh, Bebop. Uh, also, what, what was that? There's like two others they watched. And I started watching. I was like, yeah, it's kind of kind of good. It's like animated Japanese kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, but that there's broader import here. What's happening in our culture ultimately is going to be showing up in our politics. Um, mm -hmm. Well, and it's seeping into everything, Robert. Just like the video game things. I mean, you brought you brought up Hogwarts uh, Legacy and the idea of that. And, and can you explain to people what what the heck? Yeah, you you need to start from ground from the from the ground up on that one. This is J.K. Rowling, the, the, a video game based on J.K. Rowling's uh, Harry Potter. By the way, I told the chat mm -hmm. I've never seen one episode of um, the Game of Thrones. I've never seen one uh, video of Harry Potter, um, but I understand they made a video game out of it. Now, J.K. Mm -hmm. Rowling got in trouble back in the day for saying uh, trans women are not women. Or they're not so, biological women. Yes. So the okay. So here's the issue, right? Because she did that. And of course, that's her right. I mean, she's she's a woman, and if, if anything, she's actually a feminist. So, so she's a feminist, and she's she. That's why they call her a turf. Um, and what what's interesting to me though is that J.K. As much as I love the fact that she's standing up now, she's part of the problem. So originally, when she started, like when she wrote Harry Potter, you know, she wrote Harry Potter the way she did, and then years later, she started to kind of see like you know the uh, you get more more traction if you talk you know, good stuff about like the LGBTQ crowd. So like, so all of a sudden it's like, 
So she came out with a statement that Dumbledore is gay. Now, Viva, you don't know who Dumbledore is, but Dumbledore is one of the main characters, one of the main male characters of Harry Potter. And he is, uh, you know, he's the main wizard that teaches Harry Potter a lot of things. Okay, like I'm just going to leave it at that. Dumbledore, the big bearded guy? Yes. Is that, so, what's the, well, who's the actor that does that guy? Um, I forget Great his actor. name. There was he's, he's uh, uh, not Richard Harris. Is it Richard Harris? No, it was two because one of them passed away. So they turn that old man. There's nothing, not that old men can't be gay, but just like it, it mm-hmm. seems it would have been baked into the character from well into the past and not just brought up. Right. Uh, Richard Harris looks like one of the, or Michael Gambon. Yes. Jude Law was in this movie? Uh, Jude Law is in Fantastic Beasts. He's yeah, not so much in. Um, okay. He's not so much in Harry Potter. Um, oh, the Johnny Depp got kicked out of over yes. the Amber Heard case. That's right. That's so they right. turn they turn this old character who has a history of never having any mention of being gay all no. of a sudden into gay. Well, like not that they did. She did. She okay. came out and she said, "By the way, guys, when I wrote Dumbledore, he was gay," and everyone was like, "You didn't." There's no paragraph that says Dumbledore is gay. Like, what are you talking about? Like, he's not gay at all. And so, like, the like you know, the LGBTQ community was like, oh, my God, yay, J.K. Rowling, like, yay, like, Dumbledore's gay, you know? And everyone was like, no, he's not. And then so, like, fast forward into the future, and all of a sudden, like, you know, things are getting out of hand, and J.K. Rowling's like, hey, man, like, you know, Maybe women are women and men are men. And that's what I think. Like, I think there's two genders and everyone lost their shit. And it's like, you betrayed us, JK. Like, we hate you. You you know, all the worst things you could possibly imagine. Ever since then, it's been like this, this insane thing about how she's a turf and she's trying to kill trans people and like her words are murder and like, you know, all this kind of stuff. And anything, anything to do with Harry Potter is canceled now, technically. So that's why they even... Like they disinvited her to the 20th year anniversary. They didn't, uh, there was like this whole thing that they did. They, they didn't want her there anymore. Um, that the, the people who worked in Harry on Harry Potter, like the act, like one of the main actors came out and was like, you know, I love, I love my time in Harry Potter, but I don't stand with JK Rowling, even though he is he, who he is like Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, he is who he is because of her and like her property. Uh, but you know, every, a lot of people have turned on her now because of her stance. And now this game Hogwarts legacy Hogwarts is the castle of um of Harry Potter where he goes to learn magic. So this I this game Hogwarts legacy has actually nothing to do with Harry Potter because it's set 100 years before the events of Harry Potter. But just because it has to do with being in the Harry Potter world, it's murder and whoever plays it is a turf. They are terrible turf. people. Turf is a, I just looked it up and I never even, I know the words, trans exclusionary, radical feminist. That is a term that is intending to demonize women who, biological women who want to fight for the rights of biological women. So they are now not just feminists, radical feminists who are trans exclusionary. Yes. My good, not using the Lord, my good God. Oh my God. I never, I never, I never rationalized what that term meant. Trans-exclusionary radical feminists. So they take a feminist and now they demonize feminists. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even though feminists are basically kind of part of the problem as well. <laughs> I mean, neo-feminists are why we're here. 
because they wanted to they they wanted the whole equal rights thing, and now we are men. Like become it's become to a point where oh, like let's just it's I don't know if you've seen that v, uh, meme Viva where it's just like oh, like we wanted equal rights, and now equal rights mean we are men, and like that that becomes like that's that's the meme now. It's like feminists worked to get us to become actual men, uh, and that that's just like. You know, that, that's why it drives me nuts because I'm a classical feminist. Like my mom, my mom was a classical feminist. Just We just wanted equal rights, like in terms of like, you know, I just wanted people to go outside by myself, you know, like not have a man escort me. Sure. You know, like I just want to go to work. You know, I, I want to be able to have a choice to go to work or stay at home. The right of choice was originally the idea of feminism. <clears throat> and then it changed, you know, to equal opportunity, equal outcome, blah, 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 blah which is all bullshit. Um, and now like, this is, this is where we are. So it's like, they call like, yes, of course they're attacking feminists and they're attacking, uh, you know, people like even Bette Midler. I don't know if you saw a few months ago, Bette Midler came out and was like, I'm not stop calling women like birthing people and stop calling them like, you know, yeah. menstruating people. Like we're women, you know, she, she took, she took flack for that. But by the way, Nina, to illustrate on a provincial level, some people might not know this in Quebec, why my wife and I, we have different last names because in Quebec, when they passed the Marriage Act in 1976, it, it forbade a woman from willingly taking the, the name of her husband, even if she <gasps> wanted to. So I didn't know that. Yeah. So true women's rights, women's liberation in Can in Quebec, not the rest of Canada, uh, I don't think, uh, means that the woman no longer even has the choice because sh she would undo undoubtedly be subjected to the undue pressure of her husband to take the last name. So. Um, wow. Yeah, that, that was a uh, women's live in Quebec. Now, what's been happening uh, with The Witcher? Oof, The Witcher, that's a whole other story, too. Um, but just to cl uh, close out that that scenario with uh, Hogwarts, um, by the way, there was also a black list made. I don't know if you guys saw that on Twitter or not, but somebody went and made an actual like fascistic blacklist to um report in anyone you see streaming the game so that people can go and harass them in their chats like and, is, and get them taken down this is insane this is insanity this is because presumably jk rowling gets some royalties for the game because it has an element of yes book. yeah and oh my so uh the, the the people who call everyone nazis are taking names and organizing brigades to go carry out digital yes digital harassment campaigns i was gonna i was gonna make an analogy to another era but i don't want to get in trouble so uh, yeah, you, digital campaigns of harassment and destruction of villages um but digitally they're actually well, doing what the nazis uh, they did. did they did and the commies i mean that's why i say it's like a digital blacklist like it's literally that and then it you know it's so crazy because i reported that list i actually i got an email and because I reported it and I was like, this is targeted harassment. They're actually telling people to go and harass these people. And Twitter came back with like, oh, we're sorry, but this is not harassment. And, you know, we're sorry. This is not what we wanted to hear, but it's not. And I'm like, actually, yeah, it is. Meanwhile, like hashtag free Britney Venti, uh, like this guy's not going to get suspended over like, you know, talking about making targeted harassment campaigns to go harass Twitch streamers that are like streaming this game. But, you know, God forbid Brittany Venti asks anything about Eliza Blue, because uh, that that can't that can't be. Uh, now, uh, with The Witcher, that's a whole other story, because I actually had a, a, a very good conversation as well with the creator of the game, another uh, game, the um, that the TV show, The Witcher, 
Uh, also another great uh, example of what happens when intersectional feminism and all this kind of woke media takes over an IP and turns a Polish story that was about a man protecting some women. Well, actually, well, the main stories were women. Uh, like it was Siri and Yennefer were the main characters of uh, of the books, but it was seen through the eyes of Geralt of Rivia, which is the main main guy, and that was the the guy that the video game Witcher, which the Witcher series video game was made on, and so then Henry Cavill gets casted to portray the Witcher, and everything goes to shit because even though Henry Cavill's perfect as the Witcher, the script and everything about it is making him like the second fiddle to the women and just making all of the cast like just insanely woke and terrible, especially the second season. I mean, that was just next level. And then Henry Cavill quits because it was his passion project. And he was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I can't deal with this. I'm, I'm, I'm out. So he quit because he was told that he was going to be Superman again. Uh, but then they pulled the rug from under him and now he's not going to be Superman anymore. Uh, but then because he was told he was being Superman, he was like, I'm going to walk away from the Witcher. He did. Now we're going to get a, a season four, supposedly, because they filmed season three with him, even though they haven't dropped it yet. Uh, season four is with uh, Chris Hemsworth's brother. We call him Discount Hemsworth. Uh, that's Thor. For those of you guys that don't know, it's his Thor's brother in in the Marvel Series. I haven't heard Discount Hemsworth. <laughs> now, have you seen the one show? I think it's the only good show Disney has produced since it started its streaming service, but it, only because the writer had carte blanche to do what he wanted because of his unique history. Have you seen Andor? No, uh, I haven't because I don't watch Disney Star Wars anymore. I've boycotted Disney Star Wars after what happened with The Last Jedi, which I explained to you earlier. Uh, and I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm done with Star Wars. I'm done with this IP that wants to destroy the heroes that I love. Because it wasn't just Luke that they destroyed. They destroyed Han. They destroyed Leia. So I was like, you know what? I'm I'm good. Like, I don't really want to watch this anymore. So I didn't watch any more Disney Star Wars. I completely boycotted it. And then I heard people were saying that Andor was the, you know, best Star Wars show. But a lot of people who love Star Wars and watched it say, it's nothing like Star Wars. It's very, very little like Star Wars. So that's why people like it a lot is that it's the least Star Wars thing that there is, which to me is a ridiculous uh, idea when you pay like, I think it was like, what, $4 billion to buy an IP and then you make it the least like the IP and that's your most successful show. So I'm not down with Disney right now, uh, which is saying a lot because as I said to you guys earlier in the chat, uh, Disney was a huge part of my life growing up. I risked my life for Disney. Uh, so my parents' lives, we love Disney. And then they betrayed us. They betrayed me. So I'm very down on that company. And now they groom kids, which is a, a whole other topic. So I'm I'm just not down with Disney, anything. Um, I don't want to get back to the Eliza Blue thing, but there was something that I realized that I, I forgot to ask. Um, what the hell is the scandal that happened with Tim Pool now? Like, Ooh, okay. I mean, I don't like, the, I don't like gossip and I don't like, and I, I'm not in, I'm not into it, but I heard that there's stuff. And like, I heard someone said that Tim Pool suggested, intimated or, or stated 
that or gave credibility to the idea that uh, there's a paid PR firm behind the attack campaign on Eliza. Yes. And I don't know what the hell's going on. The world is going mad, even within the, the sane element of the of the insane world. Yeah. And this is actually a really good question for you guys as well, Barnes and Viva, because you guys are lawyers. And um, so what's going on with Twitter right now is kind of insane because one of the things that it keeps bringing up, and I think it's Ella Irwin is her her name, the woman that's the new um, trust and safety mm -hmm. uh, issue person. So she has commented a whole bunch of times about how there is legal ramifications about what's going on with regards to Eliza Blue. Now, I don't know whether she means that Eliza has filed a suit with regards to Brittany Venti or any of the actual other people that were suspended or whatever, like the quartering who ended up deleting his tweet. Um, or if it's that Eliza is suing the, the original video that Brittany ended up tweeting about the, um, I think it's called World Star World Hip Hop. Hip -hop. Yeah. yeah. So whether there's, either way, there's apparently some sort of legal ramification. Now, that's my question to you guys. If you guys answer that, I'll, I'll clarify what the Tim Pool thing is uh, before you do. Uh, so the Tim Pool thing uh, happened because when this stuff started to happen, um, Everybody was kind of like, well, why does why aren't people commenting about the censorship story? Because it's, it is censorship on Twitter. Uh, why aren't the big giant uh, people that especially have platformed her commenting about this? Uh, specifically, you know, people like Tim Pool, because Tim Pool had her on twice on his show. And so just like with the whole Jack Murphy thing. People started to go into Tim Pool's chat and be like, you know, kind of like demand answers as to like, why did you have her on? And, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you know how the Internet can be. They can be pretty weird uh, and vicious sometimes. And so and very annoying uh, sta spamming the chat. So they did. And, and, and Tim, I guess, got really pissed off. Now, meanwhile, uh, Tim had apparently sent this other guy. I think his name is Shane Cashman. I please Correct me if I'm like I'm very I think bad it's with Shane, Shane Cashman is the guy who wrote the art. He he works with Tim yes. Cash. Wrote the is doing the multi-series part on multi-part series on Eliza. Yes. So okay. meanwhile, he had sent this guy to go and interview Eliza and do this in interview, but he didn't really mention it before. So like in the weeks, you know, building up to this moment where he blow up, he didn't really tell anyone that he's sending this guy. We found out later on. That like through Eliza's tweet that she's with this guy and he's with Tim Cass and he's he's being she's being interviewed and blah 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 blah. Uh, but meanwhile, like people are just getting madder and madder because Tim just keeps ignoring everybody in the chat, being like, "Why aren't you addressing this situation?" And finally, he decides to address it. Like I think mm -hmm. two days ago, uh, where he just kind of blew, like he just went off the handle. First of all, like you know, mouthed somebody off, told them to get the F out of his chat. And, you know, like, you know, if you don't want to be my thing, then get out, you know, kind of thing. And then, um, then after that, uh, he went off about this PR firm situation, which was really gaslighting the issue because everybody knew that the reason that everyone was mad at Tim was because of the censorship. And the main issue was the censorship of a lot, like of how Eliza is using her weight of knowing Ella Irwin, Elon Musk, and all these other people to get her way. And the fact that she apparently uh, helped re like rewrite the new Twitter rules uh, to address 
child pornography on Twitter, even though apparently no one's really actually seen the results from that. I mean, I ha- I've, I haven't checked. I, mean, I don't really know what's going on with that. But a lot of people are saying like, she hasn't really done much like to her credit. Um, but like, so b- because of that, people were like, well, why aren't you addressing it? And f- like when Tim finally addressed it, he's like, I don't know why people are obsessed with this woman. So he's just like gaslighting everybody. And, and everybody was like, well, why, you know why? And uh, then he went off about this PR firm thing, which to be fair, the PR firm thing does exist. A lot of people do that kind of stuff, especially if you're someone who's, you know, not in the, not in the good light or something like maybe somebody like Andy Dick or somebody, if you have extra money and you have really bad publicity right now, you'll go pay someone to make you look good or create drama to make you, to make you trending and stuff like that. But that's not how this happened. It happened really organically through Brittany Venti's tweet. And just to stop you there, like I've, I mean, I, maybe I'm ignorant and Robert, you'll probably tell me I'm wet behind the ears, but you know, I've heard of PR firms to reestablish a reputation. I've never really, uh, other than in politics with research opposition, like when it comes to this, this level of uh, <clears throat> infighting, I don't know who, who pays a PR firm to go after somebody like, and, and if it's true, I'd like to know. I, I, I heard that the Tim pool getting angry at the person who said, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to unsubscribe. I can understand that. It's very, it's very irritating when people, you know, people like the the crowd the crowdfunding because mm-hmm. it allows for independence <clears throat> of the creator while simultaneously saying I'm going to unsubscribe from you if you take a position I don't like. Well, then mm-hmm. you're beholden to the community, or or the- take no position, which is what Tim was doing because he wasn't really taking a position because he wasn't saying anything, uh, and that's why a lot of people were like, well, I, I'm just going to unsub because you're not even talking about it. You know what I mean? Like it's just like, this is news that I want you to talk about and you're not talking about it. And you're right, Eva. I mean. I think that Tim had no obligation in talking about it at all. Like, I, I think that what Tim should have done was was be like, I'm aware of this situation. Just acknowledge that th- there is a situation, they're aware of it, and that he's sending someone to go do an article about her very early on mm-hmm. in, in what was going on. That's all he had to say, really. And then people would have been fine with it. I think people would have been fine. It's just the no acknowledgement and just just ignoring it every night. People get mad, right? Um, but with the PR firm thing, I think it does exist, like, especially for celebrities who, um, basically, like I said, like aren't in the best of terms with what's going on. Maybe they've fallen out because they haven't virtual signaled hard enough or whatever. They'll hire a PR firm to either make them famous through like a, some sort of small scandal that they can control, like as a controlled scandal, uh, so that they can get them trending or for some, for whatever reason, like they'll, they'll make them virtue signal or something to make them, uh, you know, like you put this tweet out about the LGBTQ or whatever, and then you'll, you know, be, you'll become trending and you'll be, you'll be famous and whatever. Uh, so they do that. But I don't think anyone's doing that in this case. Uh, certainly not uh, Brittany Venti and certainly not Chrissy mm-hmm. Mayer. Uh, and if they are, I haven't gotten paid. So I would like my check. I, I don't know what's going on and who's paying people, but uh, I haven't gotten paid yet. So I'm yeah, I mean, I think that. it's I mean, I, I'm very familiar with all those actors. And I know many of them in Hollywood that you have those people who run campaigns for you, disguised mm-hmm. campaigns for you by creating a fake controversy that gets you into the news to get you circulation mm-hmm. and attention and that run uh, smear campaigns. Now, the mm-hmm. smear campaigns like in Hollywood historically have been run by the big studios against disfavored actors yeah. uh, sometimes just to no, run down the negotiation uh the nfl uh teams do it against certain players yes right? yes they, they did it against jimmy garoppolo earlier this year the 49ers did in order to get him back 
mm-hmm. on staff and did mm-hmm. not have a uh, attractive trade offer made. They they said he was awful in all these ways. It was totally false. Mm-hmm. Um, so the uh, it happens in big prominent legal cases. Uh, you'll have PR campaigns on the other side being run against uh, either your client or sometimes you. Um, but I agree. The, the spin that Eliza's telling that originated with Tim Pool, that there's a PR professional, sophisticated PR campaign against little Eliza Blue, who is just about to break the big scandals involving human trafficking. And that's why there's this dark uh, campaign out there that has, has snookered in uh, Brittany Venti and, and the quartering and uh, uh, all and, and, and that Star Wars girl. She's just been deceived into being part of this campaign against poor Eliza. Um, and that the legal issues of, you know, that lawsuits are coming and are affiliated with it. Now, there probably is a little kernel of truth, not professional, but my guess is that the original source of people who started looking into Eliza's history, mm-hmm. and, and we put her on before because I liked the work she was doing on, of exposing Twitter's uh, problem connected to human trafficking and profiting mm-hmm. from human trafficking. But uh, as soon as she started using weaponizing her power to censor people for asking questions about her past, both Viva and I had reached out to her and she basically said, talk to her lawyer. Wrong oh, wow. By the way, uh, just word of the wise, uh, you know, never go full Jack Murphy. Robert. Kind of where she went. And then, and then the, everything related to the way Tim Poole is handling it is not the most ideal way, in my opinion. You, you're right. There was a simple way for him to handle it. I know he hates this because I harassed him once when he was interviewing John Pierce. And this is someone who, and I love Cassandra Fairbanks, now Cassandra uh, McDonald. She's a sweetheart. Uh, she's a great mother to her kid. But, of course, she's blocked me on Twitter, even though I've oh, given her, her and her husband free legal representation, saved her husband substantial revenues that he was at risk for, given who he's going up against. For free, doesn't matter. But uh, in representing Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, Cassandra got close. She keeps getting close to grifters. And like people are now even associating Julian Assange with that, which is utterly absurd and insane. Wow. What Cassandra did for, with Assange was very legitimate, very clean, very noble, very right, very righteous. People should not confuse the two. To, um, but she is now the, the booker at Tim Pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she had brought John Pierce in, uh, scuzzbag, bottom barrel, you know, lawyer, cocaine addled, wife beating, uh, historical fraudster, grifter, if he's out there. He had weaseled his way into Kyle Rittenhouse's case and made Kyle's life a living hell uh, by his mistakes and misrepresentations. And then he was weaseling into the January 6th defendants, by whom he's achieved, to my knowledge, not one single positive success of any kind. Uh, He's weaseling himself into vaccine mandate cases, causing all kinds of problems currently. The guy's Mm -hmm. a scam artist. He has debts running. He keeps changing the name of his law firm to escape his last creditor. Um, But uh, she brought him on. And so I kept uh, challenging. Uh, Kyle's family was very agitated about how he was being appearing as if he was still somehow connected to the Rittenhouse case. And I kept uh, super chatting Tim Poole, which annoyed, clearly annoyed him. He didn't like it. I get it. He doesn't like being confronted on these issues. But just as he promoted Jack Murphy assertively, that's why people were haranguing him about saying something mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the quarterings point, you know, Murphy used uh, Tim Poole's platform to get a lot of money um, in, in, in terms of certain things. And then the and and both Viva and I were not, you know, we didn't jump on the bash Jack Murphy uh, train. But when he kept, you know, derailing the train, well, I, you know, 
it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Here, Eliza has clearly, and her supporters, continued to derail the train. Mm-hmm. To get, you know, YouTube strikes that don't make sense. Now, I think some of the backstory is it's probably the case that people who are putting this information out there, uh, sending it to Brittany and other people, probably are connected to Andrew Tate because uh-huh. uh, she's connected to accusers of Andrew Tate. It's not clear whether it's credible accusations. It's not clear whether those accusers even exist in the same way. Connected to some lawyers who are trying to compare Tate to Epstein and mm. money uh, is the reality of it. It's a sad reality in the human trafficking space. You get some lawyers who are interested in it for reasons different than nobility and morality. These are some of the same lawyers who sued Dershowitz, in my opinion, on bogus grounds. They mm. knew that their, the accusations against them were wrong. As uh, Eliza's actually, this is who Christy Meyer, I don't think she realized it, but the connection that El- El- Eliza had was to an organization that was connected to the lawyers that were doing that. So I think, you know, there may be a people who are fans of Andrew Tate, maybe uh, waging a PR war against Eliza Blue, but it's a, but the most of it is you don't upset the nerds on the internet. Um, <laughs> And you don't wage war on the quartering. I mean, the uh, I, I have a lot of more respect for him after all this. I, you know, I was always a fan, but uh, he's clearly a stand-up guy, even when there's risk in his face, even if there's risk to his. And Tim Pool blocking him and in, in, in interpreting. Oh, that well, was. I don't, but that is fa- just lame. That is lame. In fairness, like, weak. It was I'll, weak. I'll continue to say nice things about Tim Pool, but that's lame, Tim. That's lame. That's not the way to go about it. The quartering is a great voice, great guy, great person. Eliza's in the wrong here. That's the reality of it. She probably made up most of her human trafficking history. I get it. She wanted to be famous. Lots of reasons. She should have focused on the good work she's doing now, not focused on her past. And she mm-hmm. should never have weaponized her political access to censor uh, critics or questioners. It was wrong. And how hard is it to just say that, Paul? Tim, it's not that hard. They, now he's going to have a permanent meme where he has Eliza Blue's hair on his head. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's got, He's got Jack Murphy's beard. It's like, it's like, the, let me, I'll just say one thing. I'll say two things, actually. I never jumped on the Jack Murphy bandwagon because I did view that to be something much more personal, much more uh, mm-hmm. in his history with, with absolutely no political or policy impact. Mm-hmm. Um, other people were saying, well, he's selling himself as an alpha male. I was like, okay, fine. If you don't like it, don't buy the product. Uh, right. Funny thing, I did get in trouble with Jack Murphy on my, on our interview because I did suggested he simped very angry which now in retrospect makes a lot more sense and then <laughs> and then we had a bit of a fight and then everyone was making fun of the fight that i got you know chewed out on my own stream um when it came to eliza whether or not she lied and there's a whole you know whether or not she has an issue with her past is one thing it was the it was the blocking of the quartering on twitter where we, we got new management which is now acting just like the old management and yes. whatever mistakes she made it was the censorship that was the problem and with tim pool i liked him and there's no but to that uh, the blocking of the quartering has now, that's a Scott Adams blocking Robert Barnes move, which the internet is going <laughs> yeah, to block. Yeah, you remind me. Hey, Tim, never go full Scott Adams. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, yeah, but Nina, it's, so you're, you're getting, drama. you're getting, how, how, uh, I don't know, like I always say high school never ends, it just gets bigger. What do you think of all this drama? It does. It's, it's so high school. And that's the thing. Like I, my focus on the whole story too, was the censorship. I, I was just like, Hey, my friends being censored. My other friends are being censored. Like what's going on. Twitter said it was changing. I've been reading the Twitter files. I see 
you know, whatever is going on with the Twitter, like censorship, their dealings with the FBI, which, by the way, uh, Camelot uh, claims that uh, Eliza Blue has some sort of connections with the FBI as well. And apparently somebody close to him that he knows that knew her is going to be dropping some info soon about that. Apparently oh, that's coming. Mean, so this I know, be, she keeps digging a grave. This that goes rabbit hole. And yeah. And deeper. Oh. It's getting crazy and there's going to be more stuff. So there's going to be some FBI stuff that's coming too. But like that was the issue though, is the issue was censorship. And then after that happened, like now there's like internet drama, which I'm not like, I'm not really into the internet drama. Like I think the whole thing, I actually think the drama between the quartering and and Tim Pool is counterproductive to the actual issue, which was censorship. And now it's just become like this whole thing, like all oh, the quartering's fans versus Tim Pool's fans and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, that's just taking away from the actual issues. And also like same with, same thing with Cassandra. Like I know a lot of people didn't like her and they, a lot of people didn't, you know, like the fact that she didn't like Brittany Venti because she disinvited Brittany Venti uh, from Tim Pool's show. And to me, like, I don't know if I would necessarily call that censorship on Cassandra's part, because even though it may seem like that, this is a private show. So Tim Pool is a private show that has nothing to do with government. So I don't necessarily think it's a, it's a government. This is their prerogative. Uh, that's one of the things I learned about YouTube is you do your thing on your channel and you can invite whoever you want. You don't invite whoever you want. And you talk about whatever you want on your channel. And that's in everybody kind of respects that. We all kind of know that. And, you know, it's just like an unsaid thing. And I think it's their prerogative if they want to invite Brittany Venti or not. It's none of my business. Uh, but what happened with them, because they have beef and like now it's got, become this like mean girls thing, uh, you know, her... It's insane, but like, you know, Cassandra, I guess, has like a shady past and like people started posting her pics and like, you know, all this kind of stuff. And that stuff I'm not down with because I don't even care. Like, even if I'm not friends with Cassandra, which I'm not, and we've had many disagreements. She's been the actual victim of revenge porn in the past from first. So the, so the, and people should definitely not now. Yeah, the, the they shouldn't go down that path. Cassandra's history is not what uh, they like. are, and that makes me yeah. sick. And I don't like it. And I I think it's counterproductive to everything that we're trying to do with regards to the censorship thing. And even like you know, if you're a Britney Venti fan and you're going around doing that, that's not doing her any favors. So don't do that. Uh, so you know, like that kind of thing, I think is just counterproductive. And I I wish it would stop, but it won't. The, it's not like they're the uh, you know president and vice president of our current administration, where the vice president's husband just goes up and uh, gives the president's wife a nice little kiss on the lips. That's totally normal, what right? The hell, oh what the hell was god. that? Oh my the, uh, god! That suggested something else is going on in the White House. Uh, so uh, you know what? I saw that happen, and I got into it. He was getting sick at the. Uh, no, I'm I'm, go- I'm going to I'm going to YouTube, Robert. Give me a second. I have but- it. You want me to pull it up? Because I have like okay, I actually got into it with a couple people today because i mentioned like that was really gross and people were like oh that's really like that's nothing that's like just a kiss on the pet and like a peck on the cheek and oh, like blah, blah, blah. and i'm like that is not a peck on the cheek like that's that's straight up hold on know, a second that's a why kiss. can't window into oh here it is here it is chrome tab crazy first lady jill biden what's going on? is this it are we yep. seeing this yeah that's oh. it Let's see what happens here. That would have liked it in regular motion, but it looks worse in slow-mo. Ah. And during COVID? Oh my God. 
Oh, that noise! Is, it's that okay. noise is horrible. You know, on national TV at the at the State of the Union. Degenerates, Robert Hollywood. Uh, Nina, stay out of Hollywood. Stay out of politics. Degenerate perverts, top to bottom. So wait, you guys don't think that was an innocent peck on the cheek that a grandma gives to like their kid or Anybody, something like that? Because that's I, what people were telling me today. Oh, you know like, who tells you that? Perverts. Yeah. Anybody? Well, I mean, the the Thank woman you. who Joe Biden. Uh, molested as a kid right on TV at a C-SPAN event, and it looked like he was molesting her, has now come out and said that's exactly what he did in terms of where his hands were, right? And while cameras are rolling. I mean, it's just deeply disturbing. But it's like, why does Hollywood always have to, like, they do a plot twist, they think, what are we going to do? Oh, yeah, we'll do some incest. And it's like, <laughs> why? Why does it show up all the time? Like, ruins TV shows and movies? It's like, what is You can on? blame Game of Thrones for that one, man, because everybody wants to be Game of Thrones, so they're like, you know what? Let's just throw some incest but, in there. But now that you met, and I think, Robert, I, I, I think I've mentioned it before, but, like, now you mentioned it, that that stepbrother, step-in-law porn, like, when I was listening to Howard Stern back when he was funny, I guess, in 2016, have to go by the car that we had because we had Sirius XM in the car, and I would otherwise. He was always talking about this, like I, this trend of this. It, it's it's disgusting, terrible, um, nastiness. Politics and Hollywood, they're all. But no, that's not innocent. And anyone kisses my wife or my I, my kids, I like that. Oh no, no, I'm not a violent person. I probably wouldn't get violent, but they would hear something about it. I would write a sternly worded letter to the president. I would and tell him that that's not appropriate. Um, <laughs> Okay, that's that's gross. Well, now I have that visual in my head. Did you, Viva? I just put another. Uh, it's like a like it's a little Biden gaffe from the uh, the. Uh, oh yes, the. Oh, it's if, you, if you veto, if you send, I will veto it. Yeah, that one. That yeah. I, I have. I put that in the private chat on the. the that's hey, the last this. thing I sent. The um, other one that I sent you is that Ella Irwin uh, comment that she ah, okay. made about the legal issues yeah i, I didn't I, I forgot i put the yeah what the fuck's up with with project veritas oh yeah and, i mean they're making stories in twitter terms. well there may be civil or criminal cases pending and that's why we can't comment on certain ways mm-hmm. I, I i seriously doubt that is in fact the case concerning eliza blue i think that's a cover story to deter and discourage people and a a pretext and a fig leaf to justify twitter's wrongful censorship mm. here let, let, let me bring this one up if i can do this this looks like it's going to be good because it's Joe Biden. He's going to say something that nobody's going to understand. Savannah Hernandez, here we go. Make no mistake. If you try anything to raise the cost of presenting jobs, I will veto it. <laughs> and then and then watch Kamala. Kamala's Kamala like, Harris, She's like, oh, this guy's such an idiot. I'll be president soon. Oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, totally. Make no mistake. That is an angry scowl, but and I don't yeah. think a, it's, that's it. That puppet Jeff Dunham's old angry old man here. Yes, yes, oh that one. God. If you try anything to raise the cost of presenting jobs, I will veto it. <laughs> oh my! Hold on, hold on. I haven't seen many things. I have seen House of Cards. That is a Claire Underwood. <laughs> yes, right there. Right there. The House of Cards. Oh, the old, uh, the old knock. Um, Nina, uh, whoa, whoa, it's been an hour and a half already. Holy cow. Okay, you mentioned your, your favorite movie as a child. Mm-hmm. Two questions. Two-part question. What's your favorite movie as an adult? What's wow. your most detested movie as an adult? And what is the most mangled, bungled, uh, destroyed by woke politics? Um, I don't know. What do they call them? Trilogies or, or uh, what are they called? Franchises. Franchise? There. 
Hmm, wow, that those are really difficult questions. Woo, okay. Favorite movie right now of all time would be The Matrix, the original, uh, because that is the one that kind of made me, wow, like, yeah, I think we are in a, in a freaking Matrix sometimes. Uh, so, yeah, that one, Matrix, uh, blew me away. Uh, what the franchise that I think is destroyed more than all? Hmm. I think that that would be Star Wars. I think the Star Wars apathy is insane. Uh, I think the things that they've done to the IP is just just next level. So it's a t- honestly, it's a toss up between Star Wars and Star Trek because Star Trek is also a just just gone. The good old days of Trek is a- Viva. Did you did you like Star Trek ever? I, like no, I, Star Trek fan? I never even liked the original Star Wars, and so that's why like it, what people answer to this question, I think, is just what they consider to be their favorite mm-hmm. that has been ruined. I, I haven't even seen. I think I saw the new Ghostbusters. In fact, oh, I did. Uh, that was the one that, 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 if I had to answer that question, I think it's the only one I could answer. If they mm-hmm. come up with like a Back to the Future 4 woke version and destroy the first three, that will take over. Uh, but mm-hmm. Ghostbusters was the only one I liked. I never liked Star Trek, never liked Star Wars, um, never liked any of this fantasy stuff, which I guess is saving me a lot of time because I don't. Yeah, it is. It is. But I guess the, the t- I, I'm going to tell you top three Star Wars, Star Trek, Lord of the Lord of the Rings, uh, the Lord of the Rings, the new rings of power is, is just the most. <laughs> I mean, it's just so ridiculous. It's like it's next level. They, they it's their own story. It's not even the Lord of the Rings. It's just their own story, their own intersectional feminist nightmare. Uh, the only thing that's the difference between that and uh, what we're dealing with with regards to Star Wars and Star Trek is the fact that the Lord of the Rings fandom was a lot stronger and stood up for the IP and stood up for J.R. Tolkien, uh, whereas in the Star Wars and Star Trek fandom, just they let it go. They they let it go and they let it they let it happen. Uh, so I'm not I I'm not very happy with them. Uh, there are plenty, plenty more, but I guess I'm going to, I'm going to stick to those top three. Um, and then what was your last question? Oh, was the, the, one. the one was the, uh, it was, forget it. it was, it was the worst movie I've ever seen, but that was worst. Just okay. Worst movie I've ever seen. Wow. There's so te- many technically the worst movie, like Leonard part six, bad movie, or it could be like, uh, like, uh, like a Gaspar Noe type worst movie I've ever seen. Wow. I think, th- I don't know why I'm just going to say this because it's just, I mean, aside from The Last Jedi and all of the other, other ones, I'm just going to say the, the the worst movie I think I've ever seen is the movie Beach Bum with Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Uh, I was like, I, this, this is two hours of my life. I will never get back. Like it was just the most awful movie. <laughs> it was so random. I don't know how I even ended up watching it to begin with. Cause I was like, Oh, you know, I like Matthew McConaughey. Let me check this out. And it just turned out to be fucking garbage. <laughs> so there you go. That's the worst movie ever. Yeah, the, well, what are some favorite things that you're watching now? Some things that might actually be good going Ooh, Okay, that's a good question. Really good stuff to watch now. So I actually do um, a stream where I talk about good things that I love as well. Like on, on my Sunday entertainment channel, I'm not always talking about bad stuff. I actually talk about good stuff. So a few really good stuff right now. Tulsa King, Paramount Plus with Sylvester Stallone. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Really good stuff. Got Reacher and uh, ter- uh, Terminal List, both on Amazon. Really, really, really good stuff. Uh, right now, I'm watching a, a show that's actually older. Uh, it's called Atlanta. I just got it. I started getting into it, and I really like it. Um, so that one's really good. 
what else? What else? What else? Oh, there is one show that's it's got a, one season so far. It's called Severance on Apple Plus, and that one just whoo, really good series. Really Severance good Severance is that's out. the one about people who work at a job. Yes, yes, and they've d- totally different identities in their job versus real life, and then they cross over their memories at some point. Yes, yes. I yes, saw yes, a commercial yes. for that. It stuck with me. Haven't seen it. It's really good, Viva. It's really, really good. Uh, I highly recommend it. I, I did not think it would be that good, but it was. Yeah, the uh, uh, yeah, Tulsa King is fantastic. Written by the same guy who's you know uh, writing the uh, Yellowstone series yep. and all that, so it's yep. fantastic. I'm going to be getting into Yellowstone soon, actually, because we're going to start reviewing every season, like season by season. I actually hadn't seen Yellowstone, so I'm really looking forward to getting into that IP and well, getting Han into Solo the westerns. Season plays in one of the prequels he plays in the 1923 yeah 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 harrison ford i heard i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it i'm definitely gonna watch all of the all that guy the the guy that's making all of these he's like the new up and coming like he's he's the new kind of like i don't know i don't really gonna call him scorsese i don't know the one of the best directors in hollywood right now uh i think he's stretching himself a little too thin because uh there was actually a news released yesterday or the day before about how uh they might end up ending yellowstone in a weird way because costner is having difficulty with his scheduling because he's working on his own passion project and now they want to maybe do another spin-off series with matthew mcconaughey of all people uh which i you know Shout out to Matthew, though. I really like him. Um, he He's a good dude. I think he was running for Texas governor a while well, ago. He, I don't know what happened with that. He thought about it. He and thought he about did, it and then backed off. He, he, I mean, he was it. up in Malibu where I lived for a long time. Very nice guy. Very chilled. Has that, you know, old school. John yeah. Grisham helped give him his first start. Grisham really liked him mm-hmm. uh, and, and when he uh, auditioned for the role of uh, uh, the, the young lawyer in uh, A Time to a Kill. Oh, that's and, oh, such a good movie, man. That's a good all movie. All the Grisham stuff is pretty good. Pelican mm-hmm. Brief, The Firm, The Client, a lot of subtextual education in those Yeah, films. all those I love movies. Andor. I have, of the two Oscar movies, we'll have Odin on at some point, too. He, he lives in my hometown, Chattanooga. I know he's from New Orleans. But um, I think of the Oscar movie, I think Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is probably going to win. Because good that's, movie. that's the kind of Hollywood, you know, good. It was popular. And it's culturally acceptable because it has the you know the the, the little bit of the, the lesbian daughters yeah. and all. So, but I don't oh. see that's the thing. I don't know if it's gonna win Barnes because it's indie. It's yeah. not really a studio movie, and usually indies are very difficult to win an Oscar. Like, I mean, if it wins, I would be very surprised. And then the uh, I did really like Bullet Train. It reminded oh, me Bullet of Gross Train Point was Blank. Great. That was it was like Gross Point Blank yeah. style with a comedic sardonic side. All these great action sequences, with absolutely the trains with the sort of the Japanese imagery in the background. That was that was pretty cool. Bullet Train was awesome. I was really concerned because uh, Brad Pitt showed up at a red carpet premiere for that in a skirt. Uh, and I was like, why? Why are all the men wearing skirts now? Like, what is this thing where men that I've loved all my life, like Brad Pitt, who's freaking amazing. Like, I mean, have you seen Brad Pitt and Troy? I mean, I know you guys are dudes. You're no. probably not into that. But still. No, Brad, Brad Pitt. I, know, I got a lot of Brad Pitt stories that involve those things he wasn't supposed to be doing. <laughs> don't do it, Oh, no. Brad, Brad, Pitt in, Brad Pitt in Fight Club was my... Um, 
people oh, used yeah. to say, I look like, like Brad Pitt. I, you know, I think I was introduced <laughs> to him he, uh, in Thelma and Louise. He was good in Thelma and Louise. Also, he was really good in True Romance. People forget he's the he plays. He was pothead. the pothead. He, yeah. Amazing. Oh, wow, I forgot about that. Yeah, That's everyone right. has to rewatch True. I just watched True Romance with my kid, uh, the oldest one. And that movie is still that was my favorite movie of all that. time. Well, all I'll say about Brad Pitt is I never looked at the bar at the Beverly Hills Hotel the same way after <laughs> I found out about certain stories involving. Oh Brad my Pitt. God, you're gonna have to tell me. Off, off air, right? off air. It's gossip. Off and it's air. Rumors. But but I will tell you this, Viva. Though, like after that, I was worried about this because he, you know, showed up in a skirt, and I was like, "What is this movie gonna be like?" And I was so happy that it wasn't. It was very very good. Alpha I am. I actually saw Bullet Train. I was on a plane with my kid, and every time someone was getting killed, I had to put my hand in between the screen, and then the <laughs> the, the, the the flight attendant is like, "Here, you want a menu? It'll be easier to block it." But <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Um, but it was that 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 violence was cartoonish enough that no one would take it seriously. Unlike yeah. uh, credit to the memes in the locals chat, I am liking all the Donald Trump Valentine's cards. Those those are great. Oh nice. <laughs> I build a wall around us. You know, violets are uh, are rigged, roses are rigged, everything is rigged. Can you share one? I can't see it. I'm gonna see if I I wanna see if I can bring this one up. This one is just AOC. I just happened to click on the AOC one. Oh my god! Yeah, we have to do this. This will be this will be okay. So if I bring up an image, hold on, let me close my everything here. Where's the? Okay, so if I bring this up in the backdrop, let me see if I can do this. Okay. All right. Good. Now, if I go to the window, now I go to share screen, present, share screen. Oh, oh, okay. Do we Yay. see this? Yes, we do. Okay. So this is AOC. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't even know what the context is for this, but that's, that's, okay. What the hell? That's oh, it's terminal. because, it's because they're saying that, um, cows, that's a new thing now that cast <laughs> gas from cows is bad for the oh, environment. That's like a new thing. That's that funny. Well, that's, and if no, anyone doesn't get the T2 reference in that, well then oh my <laughs> Viva gosh. knows more about movies. Um, Nina, hmm. where can people find you? I've been sharing your, your rumble channel around. I want to make sure and see if we can get that up there. Rumble, YouTube, Twitter, elsewhere. Instagram. That's it. That's it. And it is Nina. Well, your Instagram is not intuitive. Uh, it's Nina Infinity uh, and on my YouTube channel, Nina Seven Infinity on Twitter, and I think okay. Nina Nina Seven Infinity on Instagram as well, or it might be uh, Nina Infinity. Either way, it's one of those. Um, this has been great. So now everybody knows Nina Seven Nina, Infinity. Instagram. Nina Seven Infinity on Instagram, and it's Nina Infinity on Twitter and Rumble. No, no, no. Oh, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. Sorry, YouTube. Nina Infinity on YouTube. Nina Seven Infinity on Twitter and Instagram. There you okay. go. Okay, and on Rumble, you are on Rumble. I see. Yeah, the Nina Infinity. It's just Nina Infinity. We're going to see how many we can, we're going to see how much we can get that number up. We'll see. There's five thousand people watching now. They'll know where to go. Uh, Nina Robert, this has been lighthearted and it actually made me feel a little better because the world is a dark disgusting place. And uh, you got to come watch my show on Fridays if you ever if you're ever feeling down. You know, catch a replay. Talk about good things. You know, talk about, you know, good humans and cute animals. You won't be sorry, Viva. You'll love it. All right. I, oh, and by the way, I heard a dog barking in the background. What kind of dog do you have? I don't have a dog. It's my neighbor's dog. Yeah. <laughs> do they have a small yappy dog? Yes, they do. Okay. <laughs> now that it's not your dog, I can I can qualify that dog. All right, Nina, everybody, um, thank you for coming.
Uh, uh, tomorrow, thank you I'm, for having me on, uh, Viva. Anytime, and we'll do it again. And uh, we'll, we'll come over to you as well. Uh, tomorrow, I'm live in local studio with Dave Rubin, 2.30 or 3 o'clock. Uh, Friday, I forget what's happening. Robert, um, Sunday. Sunday. Oh, no. Sunday is Super Bowl. So Sunday's stream is going to be on Monday. Yep. <laughs> uh, everybody, Nina, Robert, stick around. We'll say our proper goodbyes, everyone in the chat. Thank you very much. Enjoy the evening. See you tomorrow.